Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, where we walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Our host is Dr. Jeannie Burnett, licensed clinical psychologist and certified eating disorder therapist. Join her and her host, Carlos Houston, as they discuss the relationship between your food, your faith, and your feelings. Hello, and welcome back to the next edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings. And today, I'm so excited again. I have Allie English. Hi, Jeannie. Mana Fund Board President and my boss. <laughs> and Susie Troutwine. Hello. Who is the um, mother of Will Troutwine and the one of the founders of the Will to Live Foundation. Yes, hello. Thank you, Susie, for coming. Oh, fun to be here. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes and no. My first live recording. Is it really? Yeah. They're yeah. very nice. Well, I've been on TV and all that kind of thing, but nothing with this big microphone in my face. <laughs> well, yeah, it's okay. Just think of it as a clown nose. <laughs> yeah, right. Red nose dead. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, um, so last week we talked to your husband mm-hmm. and learned a little bit about the Will to Live Foundation. And it's great to, like I was saying earlier, to um, have his perspective and then to have as, as the dad and mm-hmm. then to have your perspective as the mom. Mm-hmm. And so um, just can you, I know it's, it's painful, but just give us a little bit of your perspective of like maybe what you saw and uh, not, you know, like af- the aftermath right, right. of what happened. Well, as John, I'm sure, went through, it was a complete shock to all of us, not just us, the community, everybody. Um you know, he had been seemingly happy and had everything going for him, was doing well in school, was, you know, involved with lacrosse at the time and um, had a million, million friends and, you know, the typical teenage boy who seemed to be doing just fine. Um, one thing we did know was he had had a recent breakup, you know, mm. that was probably maybe four or five weeks before that, um, which... You know, he was visibly upset. I think John was home at the time when he, you know, found out and um, was upset, but ended up going to a party that night and seemed to work through it and seemed fine. And just as we all know, you bounce back after things like that and we all go through it. Um, But perhaps he wasn't fine and was kind of hiding that fact from us. We don't know. But, uh, you know, he... Obviously, before it happened, we didn't have any signs whatsoever that we can think of. But once it did happen and we were, you know, reeling, trying to think what what was going on? What did we miss? How did we miss, you know, anything? Certain things like um, I do remember he would ask for, you know, melatonin every once in a while. Like I'm not sleeping very well or I I wasn't sleeping or had, had trouble sleeping a little bit, which, you know, coming off of the summer which, because it was October, it wasn't too far from summer, coming off of summer when they're up till two in the morning and then you have to go to bed by 11, you know, you're not, it, we all know it's difficult to just unwind and fall asleep. So didn't really think anything of it. And um, I remember a couple of times he wouldn't be hungry for dinner and, you know, that's okay too, I would think. I mean, you just never know how ladies snacked or anything like that. But when I looked back, those were kinds of things that we thought, hmm. But other than that, there was really nothing. I mean, he didn't pull away from his friends. That seemed to be okay. Um, he didn't spend a ton of time by himself, I wouldn't say. I mean, there was n- none of the obvious signs that you would think you would see were there. Right. But um, 
apparently they were because after he died and the um, police or whoever it was went through his room and his belongings, his backpack in it, there was a notebook or a folder that had some papers with um, lyrics of songs that he had written, which were dark, which were deep and dark and about, you know, lost love and about this, that and the other. I don't even remember. We, we saved them and we have them. It's not something that um, <laughs> we like to look through and read, but it kind of he was expressing himself right on paper but not to us so we had no idea he was feeling these deep dark things and so he wrote them as songs but in that notebook as well were drawings of different ways to kill yourself and just you know penciled drawings of ways so that's when we knew oh okay it wasn't just a mistake because you know after we found him we thought you know was he just trying to get attention was he just you know seeing if it would work was he just think you know did he really think it would work and you know did he really want to die kind of a thing um you know he had thought about it he had thought about it and that was one thing that we afterwards they we had lots of um meetings at our church where um counselors and psychologists came in and were talking to the community at large with anybody who had questions or concerns and you know what to look for that kind of thing and one of the things they said was, you know, talk to your kids about it. Don't be afraid to bring up the word suicide because guess what? They're already thinking about it, whether they're seriously thinking about it or just know people who are thinking about it or have thought about it themselves. You're not going to put the idea into their head. It's right. not just going to make them, you know, do it. Right. One of the things that I say to people who, you know, as a therapist, people come in and they, they talk about suicide. I ask them if they're thinking about it. And um, I think it's different when it's a personal, there's a more personal connection than a therapist to a client. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I've become aware of over the 20 something years I've been doing this is that people don't necessarily want the, to die. They want the pain to stop. Yes, that's They what... want the madness and the tr whatever that is that is torturing them inside mm -hmm. mentally to stop. Mm -hmm. And they don't know how to make it stop otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right. They want a temporary fix that they don't realize is not temporary. It's it's, you know, forever. And um, that's one of the things we get lots of phone calls through the foundation um, from worried parents and especially right out the bat. You know, parents would call us and we, we are by no means experts. We're just parents who lost a child and who, you know, they know and they feel comfortable reaching out to. But um, many people would call and ask, what do I do? I think my son's struggling or I think my daughter's having trouble. And what do I do? And, you know. That's what we would tell them is, listen, sometimes it's just stops them in the tracks a little bit. If you just say, is it that you really want to die? Do you really not want to see another sunset? Do you not want to go to a beach and play in the sand? Do you not want to eat your favorite meal? Or do you just want the pain that you're feeling to be over and be go away? Right. A lot of times, you know, that's what they're like. Yeah, I, I'm struggling. I just don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to feel this way. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we can get you help for that. You don't have to, you know, take that that action and, and be miss all that other stuff that gives you joy in life and makes you feel better and that kind of thing. And so, you know, that is a, it's a big statement, but it's another thing to bring up to your kids. And, um, you know, John always says in his speeches, he's like, use me, use us. You know, if you're afraid to talk to your child about it, you know, say, oh, I heard this guy speak and he was talking about, you know, teenage suicide and this and that. And, you know, have, do you know anybody that struggles with thoughts like that? Or have you ever had thought? You know, it's a good way to bring up, as he calls it, dinner table conversation. Right. Get the ball rolling and then just see what they say and react to what they say because you just don't know. They may open up. 
you may see, you know, just get different responses that may trigger you to think, okay, something might be going on there deeper that I might not be capable of handling. I don't know. Um, What I was going to say is kind of triggering off or going off of that is if you do see those signs, if you see things and they say, yes, I am having those thoughts, what is your, as a parent, what is your next step at that point? Oh, to get help, to reach out to somebody who does know what they're doing and is an expert. Because, um, you know, as much as you want to fix it as a parent and you want to be the one, you might not be that person that they open up to entirely and feel safe because they don't want to disappoint you. And I think that was one of mm-hmm. Will's problems. Is, yeah. As John probably mentioned, he was one of those kids. What we found out after he died, all these kids came forward and said, oh, you know, he was the one we always went to with our problems and he always helped and he always, you know, he was the advisor. He didn't want his friends to maybe realize that he was having problems himself. And so he buried it, buried it, buried it, and eventually got to the point where he just couldn't handle it anymore. As a therapist told us, you know, depression works like a funnel. And you work so hard and these kids are so good at masking their feelings that they dig, 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 dig to stay above water. And then at some point they just get tired and they can't see over the edge. And that's when typically these rash decisions happen. And so made a lot of sense to us. And, um, you know, there's so many people out there that we're learning that are there to help. And, you know, you find a good fit with a therapist, a counselor, and then you go from there and them guide them along in their journey and you too right so I mean you know that Jeannie you (laughs) probably work with people all the time on those I do levels I do and you know I we we have suicide assessment scales and things that we are always looking at and looking for and I think one of the things that you said kind of triggered one of my old memories when I had an eating disorder is I wrote, I journaled, I drew, I expressed myself to a piece of paper, which is is healthy, mm-hmm. but where our mind goes, our our feelings and our behavior goes. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times parents will come in and say, Oh, well, you know, do I do I go through their stuff? And I'm like, Yeah. Mm. If you're seeing weird stuff or you're you know, just go through and clean their room mm-hmm. and look through stuff mm-hmm. and it may make them mad, but better for them to be angry than like like Will. Yeah, Dad. I for mean, sure. it's uh, the for sure the thing that well, that John said that just continues to strike me is like if I had known, I would have done something, mm-hmm. and Will might be alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, one thing that you said go through the backpack. It's an interesting thing, and once again, hindsight twenty twenty. That day, that um, the day before he died, uh, I was sitting in a soccer game with Holland. You know, she was six at the time, and he had come home from lacrosse and texted me, "Mom, where's my backpack?" Because I had picked him up from school, dropped him at lacrosse training, and then went to her game. And so he was afraid the backpack was still in my car. And I figured he was going to have homework when he got home. So I had put the backpack right inside the door. And I thought it was funny that he didn't see it right away, but I think. He was worried about where his backpack was, mm. maybe because he was worried I would discover it. Had I w- now, I wished I had gone through it. I never even thought to go through his backpack. And, you know, didn't I wasn't worried about his hiding anything from me and that kind of thing. Right. But had I and had I found that that paper, who knows? I might have thought, uh oh, what's this all about? At least I would have brought it to his attention and said, what's you know, what are you thinking? What is this? Right, right. Well, um, I tell you what, we're going to have to take a commercial break right now. Okay. 
And um, once again, Mana Fund thanks you sponsors for helping us out every every week. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or invest in a home? Call my friend of 10 years, Francina Maloney. She can help you with all of your real estate needs. Her goal is to have you as a client for life. She will listen to you and find exactly what you are looking for. And as always, 10% of her gross commission goes to the Mana Fund. Thank you so much, Francina. You can call Francina at 770-861-3821. That's 770-861-3821. Hard exercise works. They believe in really hard exercise in the relentless pursuit of excellence. Results are earned, not given. Group training can be personal and fun. I personally love hard exercise works. It has helped me to get back into shape. I don't focus on my food. I focus on the workout and I feel stronger and I feel healthier and happier. And that's what it's about. Hard exercise works in John's Creek. So could your nonprofit use $10,000 per month in free Google advertising? Since 2003, Google has donated free advertising to over 20,000 nonprofits in over 50 countries throughout the world. They've helped them raise millions of dollars in cash donations, recruiting and volunteer work, and in raising awareness for their causes. Visit EpicGrowth.com, that's E-P-I-C-Growth.com, to see if your nonprofit organization is eligible for this $10,000 in free advertising today. And welcome back. Uh, We have Allison English and Susie Troutwine. And um, just during the break, we were even talking about what a blessing the Will to Live Foundation and, and really Will's legacy is helping other people who are afraid that their kids may hurt themselves or for families that have actually gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really where we want to f- take our focus now is what was it like afterwards? You have two other children. Will had all these friends. And how can people be aware and supportive? Well, we have three other children, just to make that correction real quick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and as you can imagine, it was agony afterwards mm. um sorry i might get a little emotional i'm sorry <laughs> sneaks up on me every once in a while but it's okay you know after he died that was probably the worst book was seeing the three kids helpless and in pain but it also saved us it made john and i realize that we can't just curl up in a ball we have these three kids <gasps> sorry Okay. I just, I'm not we can very stop. good at this. This is why I don't give the speeches, just so you know. <laughs> um, no, it, you know, we, we saw them struggling and we realized that, you know, they're still our kids and you got to live for the living and right. help them through. So, you know, the community, our friends, our neighbors, their friends were huge, huge, huge helps and saviors because they lifted us up when we needed it the most. And um, I think the foundation, too, was a big part of it. And, you know, right out the, off the bat, I was a little bit hesitant to dive full into this foundation. John was right out of the gates with it and really wanted to get it going. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I still have my family and I want to just protect my kids and do what we need to do. I'm not worried about saving the world. You know, that was my first reaction. But now... um 
when I see how much it's helped our family and those around us, it's been a, a real blessing. Um, how can people find the Will to Live Foundation? It's Our website is the best way, www.will-to-live.org. Okay. There are phone numbers, there's video blogs, there's lots of information on there, and that's constantly being updated with new things that are happening, and um, that's the best way. Okay. There's an email contact on there, so if you have a question or just want to reach out in some way, shape, or form, which we get that all the time, right. um, that's a way to do it, the fastest way. It goes to both of us directly. Okay. Um, but anyhow, you know, the kids... Um, at first, we, we talked a lot about it. We, we we kept Will very present with it because we didn't want to just, we didn't want it to be something that they were ashamed of. And we were, you know, this is, was a problem. He had an illness. This is how we moved through. And, you know, to get talk and let us know how you feel. And so we, <clears throat> he was very much present and still is in our dinner table conversations, in our, in our daily life, in our celebrations, in our, you know, <clears throat> we spent a lot of time with his friends, and I'm telling you, that was one of the biggest things, too. Mm. Um, he had a lot of friends, and we knew them very well, and to suddenly think that that whole group was going to be gone from our lives, as well as their parents, was, was heartbreaking. Mm. But it wasn't. They kept coming around. They told us stories. They <clears throat> shared things that we didn't know about them, and it was a huge, huge thing. And so that would be my advice if... Um, you know, your kids do know somebody who either they've gone through it where a friend of theirs has committed suicide or, or been struggling in some way is to, to let them know that you're there and that you're there. You're missing them just as much as the family is. I mean, that was a big, big, big thing, big part of our healing, I think. Um, and I'm happy to say that the kids are doing great. They're doing really well. Their involvement with the foundation helps them just as much as it does us. That's I wonderful. Think. Now, can people... Um, who have gone through this or have friends or whatever, how, how can they support your foundation? Well, we're always looking for volunteers. We do two big events each year, um, starting with in January or February is our 5K run. That takes a lot of adult help as well as kid kids that help. We get lots of um, groups of kids that help with that, and they love to do that. Um, and that would be on the website. Uh, and there's one person in particular who helps us with the volunteer organization and um so sending an email would help with that um, we also do a music festival in september mm. at northview high school which is really great it's um you know 17 or 18 youth bands or individual acts that we put together and the kids run that pretty much i mean we have adult um help in the back but pretty much the kids run the show and they have a blast with that so those are our two big events and then you know events creep up here and there if if, if um club will to lives that we have scattered throughout several high schools um come up with an idea that they want to do an event there's always volunteer possibility with that so um the best way is to just reach out and contact us and let us know that you know you're willing to help or want to do something and we'll see if we can get you in there somehow Great. Do you have anything, Allie? Um, well, I, I think from, I just want to follow up with, you know, listening to both of you speak about Will and just to parents out there, just to keep talking to your kids and work on removing the stigma of suicide and mm -hmm. start the conversations. Yeah. And mental illness. I right. think that's huge, too, mm -hmm. is we talked a little bit about uh, withdrawing the shame that's surrounding and shame is just like like I say it's like a wet blanket it just covers 
and things just fester inside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any kind of mental illness is a medical illness. It's and, and just be, it's kind of like, you know, well, if you have diabetes, would you be ashamed to take the medication for to help you with your diabetes? Your body just doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true for your your the chemicals in your brain, mm-hmm. your neurotransmitters. And if you don't have the right balance of neurotransmitters and you're susceptible to depression or susceptible mm-hmm. to anxiety or whatever's going on with you, thank God there's stuff out there that can balance it out. Right. And we at MANA even have, um, we've got this new tool where we can do a buccal, like a, a, a swab inside your mouth and yeah. we can find out what medications whether they're psychiatric or whatever, are going to be best processed in your personal wow. body. So it's genetic testing. Yeah. Wow, and that's so, amazing. Yeah. So um, what I, what I want to do also is just put the information out there. You guys send a lot of people to the Summit Counseling. We do. Mm-hmm. And they are where? On Old Alabama Road in, um, I guess it's Alpharetta, okay. um, right by Mount Pisgah Church. They're okay. located right there, so local. Okay. And do you happen to know their number? I can look it up real quick. I All do right. have it on here. Um, but what I was just going to comment on what you said was um, it is treatable. And it is, mm-hmm. you know, the idea is that I think a lot of people don't realize that they have the depression, though. And that's maybe where talking about it more and understanding that if you're feeling these ways, that's not normal. And let's just get you talking to somebody because, it, you know. I think that's the stigma associated with it is terrible. But as we always say, if you had cancer, you would go to a doctor. Or if you had an injury in your arm or your leg, you'd go to a doctor and seek help. And so that is definitely the first step is just to reach out to somebody. And, you know, we always say we learned from a a company that we work with, um, Screening for Mental Health, to ACT, A-C-T, stands for Acknowledge, Care, and Tell. So if a friend comes to you and has a problem or a child or a teammate or a friend, you know, anybody, and mentions that they're struggling, you know, to acknowledge it and understand that, let them know that you understand it's hard and that they're going through something. And then to care is to um, just give them that support. And then to tell a trusted adult in a child's life, it may not be a parent, it may be a teacher, it may be a coach, it may be a, you know, someone who they feel comfortable talking to. And then let that person help you get to the right help, you know, because that's um, part of the Part of the um, trouble is not reaching out. Well, and like we said last week with John, we um, at MANA have several websites that are under development. And uh, one of them is Talk It Out, mm-hmm. Use Your Voice, Not Your Body. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is one of the things that we are trying to get people to, to do is just talk it out. Yeah. You want to say the number? Yeah. Yeah. Summit Counseling's number is 678-893-5300. Great. And then obviously also we have a number of counselors over at Mana Treatment and we are in Lawrenceville and our number is 770-495-9775. So I'm looking at the clock and it's time for us to sort of do our our end, which um, we do a verse of the week every week. So I'm going to use the same verse that we used last week. And it is called, it is from Ephesians 432. Um, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And like we were talking about uh, last time, I just think that forgiveness um, of yourself 
forgiveness of others, forgiveness of whoever has caused you pain. Um, they just they just hold on to you as long as you are angry with them. And so forgiveness can release a lot of tension and a lot of pain. So um, great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Good to see you, boss. Yes. <laughs> Checking in. <laughs> and we will um, talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank you.